Hi, everybody, and welcome to Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. Today's episode is... Episode 9, The Planet of the Apes, the TV series. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew. And Joe. How you doing, Joe? I'm all right. I'm all right. A little tired. I'm exhausted. But I, you know what? I'm not exhausted of talking about apes, a- apes and planets. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So this week uh, we're doing the the television series and uh, we got your buddy James on. Yes, sir. We discuss a lot of things, all interesting and all, all related, I think, to the television series and and what's going on with it so i think this is a really interesting episode go everywhere from hooting the blowfish to roger moore and everything in between so i think you guys are really going to enjoy this one that's such a jump it's such a jump <laughs> it is wow is it a jump that is such a jump we also introduced segments this week i think you're going to enjoy that joe what are your top three favorite segments on podcasts Ooh, oh, I got this. I got this. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I listen to a lot of the Easy Allies podcast. It's a very prominent video games podcast. And he okay. does a segment called uh, Real Animal or Pokemon. So that is one of my favorite. <laughs> it, it's phenomenal. Like they have a section of National Geographic and they just read off like descriptions of these animals. And they also read from the Pokedex. And the rest of the panel has to decide, man, is that real or is that a Pokemon? And some of the stuff they do get wrong. Like, it's like, no, 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 that's a real animal. <laughs> so that is, that is definitely one of my favorite uh, segments in podcasts. I, I like second opinions on uh, how did this get made? Also a great segment. I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Ooh, third, uh, probably, uh, probably what's your uh, three worst fears? <laughs> Which... <laughs> oh, that's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah I like good that one. one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, surprisingly, I actually have one answer for that. Um, there, there's a really great podcast called the Nintendo Cartridge Society, and uh, they do one called the Four Minute Thirty Three Seconds, which is inspired by uh, John Cage, who was a composer, and about putting their instruments down for four minutes and thirty three seconds. So every episode they do, they talk about something non Nintendo related for four minutes and thirty three seconds, which I think is brilliant. really kind of cool. It's brilliant. We are going to head into our episode about Planet of the Apes, the television series. It's 9.46 p.m. I just woke up. Hold my hand. Uh, and I only want to be with you. There we oh, go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, only want to be, wanna with, be you, with you. Entire Beatles catalog sung by the Blowfish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I only want to hold your hand. You went right into country, right? He did. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hootie was kind of... He was already kind of country. But you know what? This leads us right into the live action uh, TV of show of the Planet of the oh, Apes. Somehow. I think so. Let, let's, let's just go with that. Yeah, we've been recording. So, uh, hi, everybody. We're, we're talking about the live action Planet of the Apes. From and Hootie and the Blowfish. From 1974. Today, our guest is James. James, hi. Hi, James. I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your history with Planet of the Apes so far. I'll regale you with a tale from my childhood since this this show actually came out when I was probably about eight years old. Okay. 
Joe knew I was in the age range, I guess, and and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes." And and in truth, beneath the Planet of the Apes, absolutely terrified me. At the end, with the when they ran into the people and they were all like. <laughs> The mutants, yeah, the mutants. Yeah, this was a whole lot of fun watching these these uh, these episodes because, and and right off the bat, I had something, uh, you know, that that struck me on all of that. So, like I was saying, I was eight years old, watched Planet of the Apes with my uh, with my cousins, and then we watched Beneath Planet of the Apes, and this came out, you know, sometime a little while later, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was still, I was probably still terrified from Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Wow. Nice. That's awesome. I've had this storied history of, of people, you know, trying to terrify me with movies and <laughs> my parents would always bring me to movies on my birthday. And, you know, they always thought, Hey, you know, he can watch this. And, you know, the first one was like jaws. Right. <laughs> and then the second one was like alien, uh, alien. And the only, the only redeeming part of alien and probably why it didn't terrify me as much as in the middle of the theater, when the chest burster pops out of the, my mom says, and, and the, theaters dead silent because nobody had seen anything like that like that that just wasn't you know and it pops up it it screeches and it runs off and she goes how do you like that eat and run oh <laughs> man and, and and the theater erupted in laughter like la- absolutely like on the floor laughter uh and you didn't hear the lines or whatever because everybody was laughing so uh yeah so things that terrified me like let's let's do that i thought i think i'm in therapy right now Okay, well, that brings us to uh, our first brand new segment. We're going to do segments now. Joe and I kind of discussed this. And but you didn't even tell me what the what the segment was. Not, not yeah, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to throw you for a loop, too. Uh, our All first right. new segment today is uh, top three things that have scared you in your entire life. Go. Whoa. <laughs> Am I going first? Is, is that no, just, just, just James. We're, we're forcing him to do it. Oh, okay. Top three things that have terrified you in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had a snake fall on me. Okay, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, that was terrifying. It was a hard, It was not a venomous snake. So I, la- I later found out after I sent it to uh, Snake Valhalla or whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait. Hold up. Wait up. Hold on. <laughs> did you give this snake like a like a Viking funeral? No, I did not float it on a on a boat. I I just didn't know. You know. Well, you know where to. Where do snakes have an afterlife? And I thought maybe snakes have Valhalla. I don't know. So you killed the snake? I wound up killing the snake because it was a it was a big snake and it just it it literally dropped on my shoulders. Well, I'm gonna tell you something right now. I bet you that was the snake's scariest moment in their life. <laughs> it's certainly his last moment of his life. <laughs> Most frightening and he's the probably last just moment. like, oh, here's this nice guy. I'm gonna go sit on his shoulder. Yeah, oh look, I'm gonna go in for a snake cuddle and uh yeah, and then it didn't go well. Oh, man. All right, so that, that's number three. What's number two? Number two. Wow, there are so many scary moments. Number two was actually... <laughs> number two would probably be... Actually, the night after I watched Alien, and I had put my hooded jacket over a chair, and it just happened to be the same shape as the alien's head, and a car... Oh, no. Lights were in the window, and I saw the shape of the head, and I just I, was, I just screamed in terror. And uh, uh, no, mom, I, I totally get that. Yeah, <laughs> my mom totally blamed my dad for taking me to see Alien. I had in my in my bedroom as a kid a poster for Batman Returns, and it was Batman, Catwoman, and the Penguin, and it was like their three heads, like one above each other. Eyes in the middle of the night were the only things that would glow. 
Oh my god! And, That's so, so it was just like it was just like a pair of like it was just six eyes staring at me, and it would scare the shit out of me. And I had to eventually put the poster in the closet. You know, I think you've given me the answer to another childhood trauma, which okay. was I don't normally if I have a framed photograph, I put it on the wall and everything. But I didn't do posters mm-hmm. for like the longest time in my wall growing up or or what have you. Maybe st- when Star Wars came along or something like that. But I now know why. And you've just given me the answer. So thank you. Oh, no, <laughs> I remember now the posters in my room when I was about four years old, maybe five years old. And they were clown posters. Ringling Brothers Circus. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the stamps like the commemorative stamps. So just a few years ago and I realized and I saw the one that was the poster <laughs> in my room and I realized how absolutely terrifying that poster really was yeah, you had like a war flashback yeah just like <laughs> yikes pounds on posters is, we'll do it every time oh my gosh I'm good now I'm, I'm happy to say that. fully recovered uh... well James I think I think we know you now fully through and through <laughs> Not that you wanted to, but you got it anyways. Joe, I think that was a successful first segment. I think, yeah, I think that was a good bit. I think that was a really strong bit. Um, (laughs) We've now put James back through all of his childhood traumas. So he's fully prepared to continue talking with us. Yeah, the number one, though. Oh, 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 sorry. Okay, yeah, go. Go for it. What's number one? The most terrifying moment was actually in a car crash, and I got pinned under the seat. We were were driving along. My parents had gone gone to the dump, and we had a... Uh, Plymouth Barracuda and the seat folded down in the crash and came down on top of me and my parents were incapacitated and only when I started yelling did the firefighters realize I had to pry me up from under the seat. Holy How old were you? I was four years old. Oh my god. Yeah. I had a lot of trauma at four. <laughs> Damn dude. He's, he's like at four years old alien getting getting caught under <laughs> getting caught under a car. You know. For a hell of a year. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Planet of the Apes now or? Absolutely. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for offering to be therapist. I appreciate it, but I'm I'm good actually. Okay, cool. I mean, we could we could forego the whole Planet of the Apes thing. We could do the Planet of the James. No, 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 absolutely not necessary. <laughs> no, I I think that that's that's great. Uh, you know, <laughs> never Sorry. do this bit again. <laughs> Do a bit. It's real. Like, I don't know. I, I like it. What are your top three like like frightening thing or fears that happen? I'll even give you a four. Just just oh, <laughs> oh no. The greatest fear is actually heights. Okay. And that's and it's not really heights. It's not being up high. It's having some jerk come up behind you and push you. Because I had that I had that happen in college. Oh my god. So I was in college. Somebody I was sitting on the balcony of this building. It was, it's only like the second or third floor. A friend came up behind me, a friend, quote unquote, came up behind me, pushed me to push me off the ledge, but grabbed me so I didn't fall and absolutely terrified me. And and oh, from that yeah, that's point, terrible. Terrified of heights. And then people always thought it was amusing to see if they could help me overcome my fear of heights, which went spectacularly bad every single time was that friend bruce wayne you legitimately have a high anxiety uh... i i don't think i have a lot of anxiety to be quite honest it's in, in those situations sure absolutely oh okay yeah the height situation it's if nobody's around i'm okay i'm fine but the minute everybody's anybody's near me it's like a it's like a anxiety meets paranoia meets Holy crap, get me out of here. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, me and you would be in the same situation if we were on up high. I'd be like, no, no, you stand over there. I'm going to stand over here. Also, how the hell do I get the fuck back inside? <laughs> I would just yell cannonball. 
I love heights. This week, we are discussing Planet of the Apes, the uh, the live action television series from 1974 starring Roddy McDowell. It is a different universe from the one set in films as well as uh, the book and the cartoon that we did last week. So this is a completely different universe than anything else, but it does have at least one familiar face in a character as well as a familiar face from the films, which is Roddy McDowell. Essentially, it's we start off with the exact same thing that we always do. A bunch of astronauts going out into space. They end up on the planet of the apes. <laughs> one always dies. There's one always one dies. astronaut that has to be killed. Yep. To show you that the stakes are real. Yeah, the stakes are real here. Yeah. So uh, these two astronauts, they, they land on the planet of the apes. One's named Peter, Pete, and the other one's Alan. And um, they befriend this guy that looks like a dollar store version of uh, David Carradine. Not David Carradine. <laughs> David Carradine in uh, Kung Fu. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was more like a bad Buddy Epson ripoff. Okay. All right. I can see that. Yeah. He had a weird, weird white wig. I don't know if that was his real hair, but it did not look real. Well, that, that actor's name is Royal Dano, which I thought that name was awesome. Royal Dano. And I actually looked him up a little bit on IMDb. He's He's actually been in a lot of different things as like bit uh mm-hmm. bit actors when i when he first like show him on the screen i'm like native american are we in some kind of like weird time time warp the humans in this show unlike in the films or in the book like where they're all naked uh in the in the films they all wear like caveman stuff uh in this film they're wearing like pants and shoes and stuff but it's like a mixture of like normal clothing mixed with like flintstones clothing <laughs> wait till we get to the second episode because i have a lot of flintstone stuff to talk about so um it, it they definitely are like wearing clothes and stuff it's it's so weird so this this did they talk a lot and i'm i'm just no, trying to remember no person. yeah that that's like my next whole thing is like so kung fu finds them and like is talking to them so humans talk in this version yeah humans talk perfectly they have their own town like they're segregated from apes as tim said in in last uh, our last episode mm-hmm. they're yeah you you said it yourself they're not wearing cave suits um I, th- I just thought the words cave suits that's an appropriate word for i get the picture of fred flintstone with his tie all at like a snap-on suit that's that's what cave yeah, that's totally what it is. Yeah. So yeah, the, the this guy uh, Kung Fu finds them and he and he helps them escape their their crash landing of their uh, spaceship, which is the exact same spaceship used in the original Planet of the Apes. This is the last time that that spaceship was used for filming anything. In the very beginning, they show you know the the bad Buddy Epps and David Carradine guy. He's getting chased by a kid with a dog. Yes. By an ape okay. kid with a dog. An ape kid with a dog. And so there, there were no dogs. Yeah. Really wanted to get back to that at some point. Yeah, because that completely contradicts almost everything of the Planet of the Apes canon. In the in the episode, it does mention that there was another instance 10 years earlier mm-hmm. with another spaceship. So I didn't know whether. No, this is its own, own universe that's completely separate from everything else. But that said, the. Yeah, there's a lot to be unpacked in those first two minutes of first we've got, you know, Kung Fu and then we've got uh, an ape kid who the ape kid was played by the same guy that played uh, Cornelius the second in Battle of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Ape kid with his pet dog named dog. What's that? 
the, the dog was named Dog. Was he it kept really? just calling him Dog? Yeah. Oh well, you know, cool. Uh, so <laughs> they're they're like chasing, and he's like, "Oh, it's just a human. Like that's no biggie." So first of all, I'm already like, "Whoa, this is a completely different setup." Also, this dude is wearing straight up loafers and running around in a tree. And then like a leaf blower passes by them and like pushes up like dirt, which is what we're assuming is supposed to be the spaceship like crashing. And so they run over to the spaceship. David Carradine goes in or uh, what is it? What is his real name? Uh, Royal Dano. All right. Royal runs in and and he he goes and he checks on each of the astronauts by pulling their hair all the way back to raise their heads and then puts his hands on their heart to feel if they're still beating the first one he's just like no 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 he's dead (laughs) and then like the second and the third one that he does that too he's just like smiling and like shaking his head yes like i'm like okay that's interesting i actually i actually wrote down as he was doing that uh, i did write down oh they always got to kill one Mm -hmm. and then as soon as he put his hand on alan's chest (laughs) to check his heartbeat I was like, oh, he likes that one. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him smile. <laughs> he saves these humans. He brings them back to like his his bunker. All the while, we then cut to an ape society where Dr. Zayas is in this, not played by, you know, the original actor. And Dr. Zayas is talking to uh, another ape called Gallon, Roddy McDowell. Uh, playing a completely different character from Cornelius or Caesar from the other films. But looking very much like him. <laughs> right, yeah. Almost sounding exactly the same, too. He acts very much like Cornelius did. A little meaner at first, but then like once he realizes the situation of the planet, he, he quickly he quickly changes. He's meeker, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like he, He's much more on the meek side of things. So Roddy does a good job at, at doing things like this. And I will say, for a TV show of that mm. era the prosthetics were not bad the prosthetics were actually better than they were towards the end of the film franchise yeah and this is only a year after battle of the planet of the apes so this is really close the reason why they were actually making these shows was because uh cbs was showing them as like the movie matinees like on, on television and they were doing really well mm. and so they ended up picking up the the series which didn't do very well because they shoved it to Friday nights. I did make a note in here because I wasn't too crazy about the sh- this at first until Roddy showed up. And uh, my first note is Roddy McDowell is a treasure. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I think, you know, they, they put him in there, obviously, because everybody's going to recognize his voice and his character. Right. Even though he's not Cornelius or Caesar, he's, you know, it's still Roddy McDowell. And he's yes, he's a treasure. Yes. And uh, I think they did try to get Kim Hunter at one point, but she said no due to the makeup. She just did not want to do it anymore. And I, I don't blame her. It, you know, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Gallon essentially goes and finds the humans and realizes that they're that they're intelligent. They bring them into the town. Uh, and then we've got Urko, who is the main gorilla, the main antagonist of the series. We were introduced to him last week in the animated series. He was also in. Again, a different timeline from this one. I did not realize, though, that Mark Leonard played Urko. 
Urkel. If you don't know, Mark Leonard is uh, he played Sarek, Spock's father uh, throughout Star Trek, uh, the original series, as well as the next generation and a few of the films. So that, that's at least where I know him from. So that was kind of like a, a big kind of shock to me. Like he starts talking. I'm like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> I actually know that. Um, yeah. So Urko is is off and he wants to kill the humans. And Zaius is back to the whole shtick of, you know, he knows the history and and how humans destroy the planet. But there's stuff that we can learn from them before we kill them and all this stuff. Essentially, Gallon eventually comes around, saves the humans. All three of them are on the run. There's the premise of the television series. It was it was a pilot. I liked it. I, I say let's just discuss the first episode before we go into the second one, which is usually how things would go. <laughs> what were your guys' thoughts on this? Watching this now in 2020, it, it's funny. the The thing that one of the things that stuck out stuck out was actually Dr. Zayas as he's talking about, you know, he knows what happened, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's keeping the humans so that they they're the only. You know, it's like mentioned in the, the only species that wars against itself. Mm-hmm. And so it's, again, revisiting that allegory that was the original Planet of the Apes. Hey, as humans, we screwed everything up. We blew ourselves. They don't want that to happen again. So the question that is in my mind is, as the apes, are they consciously keeping things the way they are because they are peaceful? You know, and keeping the humans in a state of servitude. Uh, so they don't, you know, get all riled up and blow up the planet again. Right. I thought in this version of the Planet of the Apes, I thought the apes were a little bit more violent towards each other than they ever have been in throughout the rest of the series. Because, I mean, like, yes, they talk about in, in the original Planet of the Apes of, you know, treason and, you know, that that's going to lead to death or or whatever. I really felt like Zaius and, Ur- and Urko and all of them, they were pretty gung-ho about killing other apes that were stepping out of line oh very much so (laughs) the you know the whole thing of ape shall never harm ape or kill ape is kind of like out the window here yeah it does it does appear that way but i mean if you look at galen okay so all the chimpanzees are supposed to be scientists right right and all of the orangutans are like government Mm -hmm. and all the all the all the gorillas are military slash police right and you have more of that between government and police than you do of science, you know, in, involved in that. Galen's not Galen's not strong like Cornelius was. Right. And, you, you know, like you were saying before, like he's he is more meek in the in the you know beginnings of this. And I will say his his line delivery is as strong as it ever was. Oh yeah. Series, you know, there's a part of Pharaoh who is Royal Dano's character. I will not stop loving saying his name. Um, <clears throat> gets killed, right? He he tries right. to get the the gorillas off of the new humans back, and he's just like, eh, you know, like run away, and he gets he gets killed. And the our two new humans, Pete and Alan, um, mm-hmm. ask Galen to look over his friend, their friend, and he looks him up and down for a little bit. And then his line delivery was just, he's dead. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> like, that's, that's fantastic. I just, that's the same right up there with when he's getting uh, tailored in, uh, in escape from planet of the apes. And he right. said, do you mind if I check this? And he says, 
no (laughs) it's like the same the same type of line i love that i was having a really hard time watching the uh or right taking notes while watching this because uh the main the two main astronauts are pete and alan but i kept really wanting to call it paul and alan because i kept thinking of paul allen from american psycho and i i could not separate that um a hard time there i had a really hard time every note i have is like so then paul allen i'm like that's not no that's not anyone's name in this nor is it it's pete it's not even peter allen it's pete it's it's uh so pete uh, yeah the the astronauts are they're interesting characters themselves you got pete who's kind of like almost on the edge of wanting to be uh taylor because you know like he talks about how he's a ladies man and all this stuff uh out of he's also a big time right exactly and then you got alan who has a family back at home so his whole inspiration throughout this entire series is we got to get home pete's whole inspiration is like well we'll just deal with it i guess we're we're gonna be ruled by apes now he's also a jersey boy that's why oh yes jersey city he's from jersey city they made a point to bring that up Yep. So he's a player from. Jersey. They were in a bunker. What What is his name? The The David Carradine guy. His actor name or or his character's name? Pharaoh. He tells them to stay there. That it's dangerous. And what do they do? They go out for a walk, and then they oh, get yeah, chased like instantly. Yeah, they couldn't stay put. This is bad. Don't go there. Okay, let's go there. Pete almost gets shot like right in the head. Like it's like right next to his head where the the gun shoots. And they're like, oh, I guess there are apes. I'm like, you idiots. I actually wrote that down, right? Because uh, I wrote they couldn't stay put. And then just uh, gorillas, because that's what <laughs> that's what uh, either Pete or Alan said. He goes, gorillas? And he goes, what kind of a planet is this? Oh. And then it like cuts to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I do like, though, how quickly they come to the realization that they're on Earth. Pharaoh has like a as a fairy tale book in his bunker and it's clearly written i think what year did they say like 2500 or something like that 2500 i think it would have been great had it been like you know like the sears catalog or something like that <laughs> oh that would have been awesome that to me is like okay this is this is life in or it was obviously a volume of the encyclopedia britannica or something this is the penny saver <laughs> So, like, yeah, that that would have been it's that basically been a bad version of Valpac poop coupons, right? <laughs> it's so great, I would have loved that. So, yeah, so they find out rather quickly, and then as soon as they're captured, Zeus like just lays it out to them, like he's just like, yeah, your your kind was in charge, and they blew themselves up, and I'm not gonna let that happen again. For a pilot, I thought it was good, but I I just I felt like they kind of hit all the marks of the original films. Uh, really fast, just to kind of get all that out of the way. Yeah, and there was a lot of dialogue that to to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Even them figuring out that you know they're a thousand years in the future or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, no, but you know, like so their trial. I love how Pete is like, "What are you, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin?" They don't know who they are, <laughs> right? What was that? Is that supposed to be an insult? Like they have literally no clue who those people are. Right. They have no absolutely no frame of reference. I got a question. In order to be an astronaut, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta be like smart, right? James, you want to deal with this one? And you, you also have to like be able to like think on your feet and be like kind of quick to uh, uh, like good judgment. We're f- five films and two TV series into this. Astronauts are really fucking dumb in the Planet of the Ape. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm at that point now where I'm like, man, why can't we get like a smart astronaut? Yeah. Other than the apes that use the spaceship to go back in time. Scientists and pilots, inherently, they're very smart people. Right. But all of these guys are just like gung-ho, Clint Eastwood, bang-bang kind of dudes. And like... I might I might argue with that on Alan's side of things. Okay, though. I but feel Alan's like Alan's kind of was... dumb too, though, and we'll get to that in the second episode. We will get to that. Uh, we will get to that. I mean, this whole story of this pilot is just escape from the planet of the apes, only in reverse. Right. What is a computer? Oh God. So yeah. So essentially, <laughs> at the end, uh, Urko or Urkel or whatever you want to call him tries to kill the kill the humans behind Zeus's back because he just doesn't even want to deal with them at all. He knows that. All humans are bad. Gallen goes in, saves them, uh, and then they escape. But then Gallen gets captured, and then they have to go back. They kidnap Zeus, and then they break Gallen out. And then let's not forget why Gallen was up. Oh for... yeah, go for it. Yeah, he killed. He killed. He killed another ape. He killed one of these. One of the gorilla soldiers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They saw it like they saw it happen. He had a gun in his hand, you know, smoking gun right there just because he was trying to save the two smart humans. Essentially, Galen becoming more of the Cornelius. Oh, of course. Very, very quickly. They they kind of transfer him over to a very caring character who refers to them as his friends. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was cool. Like, I, I did enjoy it for what it was. I just thought it was kind of it was just more of the same so far. We get into the second episode and it definitely goes off into a different route. But okay, let's just start walking. Yeah, essentially, yeah, they're like, let's incredible Hulk the shit out of this and let's just start walking. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like, I, I from my understanding is that's the series is that they're always on the run and they're trying to find a way home. So it's Quantum Leap before Quantum Leap. It's it's Land of the Giants after Land of the Giants. It's essentially you're kind of by the numbers sci-fi story of the mid 70s going into the early 80s. Well, also think that sci-fi at that time, there wasn't a lot of it. Right. Well, that's why I'm like, I mentioned like, you know, Land of the Giants and stuff yeah. like that, like from the 60s and the early 70s. There was a, there was a lot of like that kind of by the week let's try to find our way home lost in space kind of vibe you had a lot of westerns everything was coming out of westerns like even star trek was built as wagon train to the stars Mm -hmm. right and then yeah they're trying to be formulaic with it and match all the other which is smart especially at the time you you need to kind of do that i think for a television series like of this nature i was curious as to how they were going to get that way and it totally made sense by the time like it got to the end. I'm like, oh, OK. So they're just all three of them are on the run. But it just it was so odd to see the humans portrayed the way that they were, because like the humans are just they can talk. They have their own civilization, but they just know that they're lesser than the apes, essentially. And they're all like accepting of it. It was just odd. Like <laughs> That's all I really kind of got from that. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they do have their own towns and each town has a prefect. I don't know where they got this storyline from. Like, it doesn't seem like it was close to the book, even unless there was multiple books. No, there was only one, right? There was only one main book. Right. I think all this was was a budgetary thing where they were like, OK, we've got to do a weekly series with apes. Well, we can't have everyone in ape costumes. OK, well, let's do some humans. Yeah, let's do stories based off of the humans. And maybe we can have one or two apes each episode or something like that. You know, 
so I, I think that that was really more so for a budgetary reason as to not have everyone in an ape costume. That makes sense. At least that's what I was getting from it. Yes. At the end of this episode, my first major note was, why does he have a dog? Uh, the whole reason apes evolve is the <laughs> lack of pets. So let, let's let's kind of go back to that. James, you mentioned that earlier. But that thing, that struck me right away. I mean, look, it's the first minutes of the show. It's like, wait a minute, the kid has a dog. <laughs> I don't care. Ape kid. He's there because there were no dogs. There were no cats. And you're calling it a dog and you're an ape and you have no frame of reference that it was a dog right. kind of thing. You know, so yeah. that was an immediate standout for me. It, like, it was so bizarre. And I get it. Just a, it's just a vehicle and it's just a, a thing that people will understand. You know, you couldn't. I think they should have dressed the dog up as a giant spider and that oh. would have been more. Uh, <laughs> you know, seen that everybody's now seen that little dog's costume right, where right. they dress the dog as a spider. Like, OK, that's that's futuristic. That's that's. Literally anything. It it literally could have been anything other than a dog or a cat. Spray paint the dog. I'm not saying you should spray paint dogs. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> so it just it bothers me so much because it's it's just if you were watching this show in 1974 and you were a fan of the films, that must have been so goddamn irritating just to see that dog on the screen. Because then you're like, what the hell is this? Like. It's like I can accept that I'm I'm gonna get my off-brand tailor. It's a TV series, and and at that time you didn't have a lot of people other than other than extras and stuff like that that crossed over between TV and film at the time. So you're you were never gonna get Charlton Heston prizing his role or anything like. That. Oh, definitely not. Or anyone associated with the films. You're well, not you know you got you're Roddy. not necessarily gonna get. And like at that point, Roddy is still. We're in the '70s now, and and I mean like he's Hollywood royalty. At, at this point but he would do he would do everything that's true, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> was more his work ethic i think than anything else just like michael Caine. michael Caine would never turn down a role like that's yeah no and I'll, I'll refer to my note again he's a goddamn treasure so <laughs> i get it uh, <laughs> he didn't turn down shockma he's not going to turn down planet of the apes james do you know what shockma is i'm just curious if you know what shockma is I can't say that I do. I've 1990 uh, horror film starring uh, Roddy McDowell, uh, some Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, a live baboon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked about Chakma in one of our previous episodes. It was phenomenal. It's on Amazon Prime. And, and Tubi. Tubi. Uh, this episode brought to you by Tubi. Speaking of brought to you by, uh, guys, we're going to take a quick break uh, and go to our sponsor this week. This is a new segment for us as well. So we're going to do that. James, will you stick around? Will you be back uh, after our break? Are you going to stick around? Yeah, I'm just going to let the dog out. All right, awesome. Hey, Joe. Andrew. You know what I love about our podcast? That it's an introductory show to all things Planet of the Apes? Yeah. It's fun being able to catch up and learn about something that's so heavily involved in our cultural zeitgeist. Look, if there were only a cool way we could learn and enjoy other things non-planet or ape-related. Oh, Joe, do I have something for you. How would you like to learn about America's favorite teenager, the one and only Archie? Mm, I know a little bit about Archie, but I know that you're a huge fan. Are we talking about comics or the TV show, you know, Riverdale? I'm talking all things Archie. Comics, TV, music, and more. Ooh, tell me more. I've recently been listening to the Riverdale High AV Club podcast by siblings Megan and Ezra. It's great for Archie fans as well as those new to Archie. 
a real jumping on point if you want to know about the long and bizarre history of this character. Now, wait a minute. Do they talk about Jughead? Tell me they talk about Jughead. Oh, they talk about Jughead. They also talk about Betty, Veronica, Moose, Kevin, Pop, Midge, Hot Dog, Reggie. They're all there. Well, do they only talk about the Riverdale TV show? No, man. While they do great reviews of the Riverdale show, they also watch Archie's Weird Mysteries and discuss comics both classic and new. Wait a minute, there's new Archie comics? What's new in Archie comics? Well, in the past few years, Archie has met famous bands like Blondie, the Ramones, the B-52s, but has also battled the Predator and fought off a zombie apocalypse. Wait, what? And that's not even scratching the surface. How is... They even go into classic Archie spinoffs like Josie and the Pussycats, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and Katie Keene. Okay, I'm still stuck on the Predator here. Can we can we pause? And I'm stuck on this podcast. You can check out the Riverdale High AV Club on their official website, rhsavclub.com, as well as listen to all new episodes on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. This October, they're going to start watching the awesome Netflix series, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, wow. I got to give this a listen. What are you waiting for? So go grab a burger and a milkshake and subscribe to this wonderful podcast about all things Archie. We're back. All right. Thank you so much, James, for sticking around. Uh, so with that, uh, we're going to, I think, talk about the second episode. I think that would be kind of good. Uh, and then we can kind of discuss everything as a whole. Second episode, I'm going to I'm gonna be straight up honest with you guys. I kind of zoned out a lot. Did you really? I really did. I did not care for this. I don't care for gladiator stories. I find them... Because it's in everything. Literally, last night I was watching. I was. I've been rewatching Samurai Jack, and I got up to the the Gladiator episode. And I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> I just they do nothing for me because it's always the same thing of like, here's your main character forced into a gladiator battle. They choose not to kill their opponent, and then it disrupts all of society. Like, whatever. So, um, <laughs> the. <laughs> Well, I gotta say, I like in the beginning of this thing is that whole going right back to the why the astronauts should be uh-huh. smart. Yep. Okay. They see, they see these two guys fighting. They have no preps. They do not know anything that's going on, and they decide to pick a fight with them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's the right thing to do. And who do they pick a fight with? The Beastmaster and Conan's dad. Yep, the Beastmaster and Conan's dad. Yes, I was I was going to bring it up. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't realize that that's who they were. I wrote down Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble <laughs> because Tolar is straight up dressed like Fred Flintstone and his son is straight up Barney Rubble, like the ears and the hair and everything is Barney Rubble. Yeah, it's, it's the Beastmaster, dude. So the guy that plays Tolar, is that the, that's the father, right? Like the minute I saw him, I'm like, dude, this guy's been a bad guy, a villain in like everything of that time in that time. And like, and yeah, he was Conan's dad, so he wasn't really necessarily a villain there, but he was always playing the heavy. So you, you kind of, you know, by association, anybody at that time watching knew that he was a bad guy, more or less. Totally. And um, throughout my notes, I call him either Buff Fred Flintstone or Hunky Fred Flintstone, because uh, he's just like this massive dude that's essentially wearing Fred Flintstone's outfit. You guys talk about, you know, astronauts needing to be smart. This is all Pete. 
by the way. Pete is the one who runs up and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go break up this fight. Alan's like, dude, no, he, he said it a little bit more, you know, boisterous. <laughs> Bro, don't do it. But during this whole thing, Alan drops his disc, which I guess they need to get home. I was really not paying that much attention during this part. All right. How about let me let me do this one. Cause, OK, cause I, please I, do. Cause... I, I did very close attention. To OK. It. They go back to their ship, and in going back to their ship, they go with Galen. Alan has this cockamamie idea of, hey, there's, and he says this in the first episode, too. We had a flight recorder that documented every bit of our history up until the point when we left and beyond, because it was recording as they were, as they were going. If we can go get that disc and we can find a computer, which Galen's like, what's a computer? And he asked them like four or five times, yeah. and they refused to answer him. They just keep saying we need to find a computer. And there were scientists here before that landed. We we found out from Zayas that other astronauts were here. Maybe they're still here and we can have them help us build. Or there's another society that has the technology to build our ship. And he has this disc that he's carrying around. It's very small uh, in order for them to make a new spaceship so they can get home and he can go see his kids. And uh, that's really his his main motivation. Right. He, I need to. Get and he's like, my- you know, maybe we'll find a human that knows how to make a computer. Correct. What the fuck, man? Alan's he's, just he's, as dumb as Pete. Well, you know what? He's in his. It's not that he's dumb. I think he's in a, a state of disarray and hopelessness. I think he's dumb. Where he's trying to <laughs> yeah, think of anything he possibly could think of. In a state of look, is he going to miss his family? Absolutely. But he's an astronaut. He knew who came with the. You know, it comes with the territory that he mm. and he's going to Alpha Centauri, for God's sake. Like, right. Like, what did he think? He's going to come home like in two days? <laughs> yeah, I'm just zipping off to Alpha Centauri. I hit some radioactive turbulence and I wound up in the year 3000. Yes, it gives them a to go and look for stuff. Absolutely. It's the I don't know. The, the disc becomes the MacGuffin. It's their driving force. But here's the other thing, too. Um, and this also harkens back to every single other astronaut that's been involved with planet of the apes right they they all land in the future and they knew what missions they were going on they were like it wasn't it even in the first planet of the apes yeah, like they hey, knew you that knew they were going to be thousands of years like you're, you knew you were going beyond time and space and everything like you knew this was what you were doing and yet you're always theoretically on a one-way journey even in the second one with brent and his co-pilot skipper <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Oh, Skipper. Brent and Skipper. Uh, Skipper's like, I'll never see my wife or my family again. Like, of course you, you won't. Knew, of course. You knew what you were doing, man. <laughs> also, I just love that the existence of Brent in the second film, that him and Skipper were only there to go and find Taylor. Like, you just literally signed away your life. Like, Skipper signed away his life and knowing his wife and kids to go find Charlton Heston. <laughs> it doesn't realize it until he's on his death deathbed morons these goddamn astronauts there, there's your your second episode beginning there of where you also weird adr karate we'll talk about that <laughs> i i take issue with the intro that they use for the show it's not as interesting as the animated series introduction the way they do their yeah why is it like epileptic like inducing because late mid 70s Oh my god! I had to look away from my the, my screen each time the intro came on because mid seventies. That's why. Uh, what about any of that stuff, and of course, I'm sure many uh, e- even with even with games and stuff that came out that were like 
Oh yeah, yeah. They had all these flashing things that nobody knew that it induced epileptic seizure seizures and stuff like that. So yeah. So see now when I actually at the beginning of this whole thing when as I was watching it I was texting Andrew and I was like you know I actually kind of like this I, I'm kind of I, I do want to continue on which was a complete different take that I had from the animated stuff where it actually took me the our entire recording to come to claim that I will watch more of the animated series so I'm I'm going in like a different mm-hmm. direction so we we've got them now they've they've taken their their first walk essentially where he says oh let's just keep walking they find some fruit i forgot what the name of the fruit i should have written it down but i forgot to write it down but they explain that it's it's like a banana but it has the taste of an orange and like they really took some time really did (laughs) which actually uh i'm i'm sorry to stop you right there joe uh brings us to our second new segment tonight james what are your top three favorite fictional fruits go Top three favorite fictional fruits. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a tough one. It's really not, but go ahead. Oh, oh okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of something. And I've drawn a blank. Wow, you came unprepared. Okay, Joe, if you want to continue then. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh, I'm a questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't you didn't send out the uh, the email with the list? You know, the first. I sent it to you. (laughs) I'm not going to send it to them. We're going to catch them off guard. Gotcha. This is real gonzo journalism right here. You know what I think of when eating fruit is is the episode of Star Trek where they go to Eden and they they eat the fruit. Mm. See, I always think of um, you can't write a character. Like, okay, so if you want a character to act cocky and mean and rude during any scene in acting, you give them an apple because no one cannot act cocky while biting into an apple. Um, mm. And it always goes back to uh, when you look at um, Star Trek, Star Trek two uh, and Kirk's eating the apple. And yeah, uh, yeah. so it's it just, it was uh, that Star Trek three. I'm sorry. No, that's uh, that's Rathacon. it is too. Yeah, it is Rathacon. Okay. Um, yeah. And he's eating the apple and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and, it, they, it, and then they gave uh, Kirk the apple in um, the uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, yeah, which yeah. was perfect. In the um, test, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and uh, right, because wasn't he talking about the Kobayashi Maru in in Rathacon? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a total tie-in, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so to yeah, me, apple apples always cool. represent being cocky. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I feel like we should have an apple right now. Yeah. Well, in any case, back to back to the Planet of the Apes TV show. Uh, the correct answer is schnozberry, by the way, is your number oh, one big fictional fruit. I was going to say melurons. Oh, those are good, too. Yeah. Yeah, but that's part of illegal fizzy lifting drinks, too, right? Schnozberry. <laughs> that's the wallpaper. That's the wallpaper. We've just lost all of our listeners. Go on. Uh, <laughs> uh, all all, all two of you. So, <laughs> anyway so as they're talking about this fruit right and they're they're having these conversations they really do this weird dub over with Roddy mcdowell where his mouth is not matching up to the words he's saying and i was very did it, did you guys notice that i feel better now <laughs> okay so it wasn't just me good good it was very strange and then they go right into pete running in and there was like this 
and Alan then running in to save Pete from the, the two gladiators and that body slam that Alan does. I just need to talk about that body slam that he, <laughs> he runs in and hurls his body diagonally <laughs> at them. And just that, that hurling motion. I don't them on the road or whatever. When on the, on the way he threw himself at him diagonally again, it, it actually, I think it comes from the William Shatner school of acting. Ooh, yeah. You know, I did get a lot of Star Trek fight vibes from this, like original Star Trek, like the way they fought. I was like, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of feet going into into people's stomachs and flipping them over. There was a lot of that going on. Yeah. Like holding your hands as you go and attack someone. Like, you know what I mean? Like swinging both hands while you're holding both of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always looking at like backgrounds and sets and stuff like that. And in the bunker in the first episode, I swear that was either used in Star Trek or in Westworld. There was a a section of wall that looked this crazy little detail, but it's one of those things where you look for those things. You know, even the terrain they were in and everything, I think that was shot outside in somewhere near Malibu. It was all around that area. And then they also, I was reading that um, in the pilot, at least, they just reused footage of the Ape City from the movie, too. So like they were oh just God, like really? yeah, they were just reusing whatever they could find just to fill in scenery. <laughs> oh shit. Huh. That I didn't know. That's pretty interesting actually. That's that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so they they move on now, right? And they get caught again. Yup. <laughs> I think that's gonna be a theme of the series. Totally gonna be a theme of the series. They get caught again, and then you have this handler. Actually, no, they didn't get caught at that point alan drops the disc and you have this like handler ape that's handling the two gladiators and i don't know if you guys felt the same but i was like man i wish this dude was john hurt <laughs> i don't know he was the prefect in the village yeah the prefect in the village i was like man oh okay i wish this was john hurt inside this yeah. this ape suit right now <laughs> why I just because he would have been so great and i like the the sound of his voice right i was like ah oh. Man, John Hurt could have played this dude. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, that's how I felt. If they were making it, you know, right. obviously before he passed on, I was like, man, he would have been really good. Yeah. No, I get anyway. that. A little detail with them breaking out of jail. And I think this is actually, this might have actually been in the first episode, come to think of it. But did you all not notice that he had a thermal detonator? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. The, the bombs that they that the original scientists had or the original astronauts were like little mini thermal detonators. <laughs> And did those come from the astronauts or were those leftover technology like the golf club? Those were leftover technology. I thought Zay said that the original astronauts gave him those and they couldn't, they didn't live long enough for him to find out right. yeah. their names because he's a douche. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a complete douche. Galen goes in to retrieve the disc with this prefect and this prefect is just collecting he he's the collector of this universe right of all things of the the previous world he has a golf club which is not good for for battle jack nicholson would probably uh say something against that it's totally good for battle jack nicholas no no jack nicholson did that once too he he got out of his car in a fit of road rage years ago oh, good for him car with a with a golf club nice good for him yeah good i love that did you notice the teacups that the prefect had no, but it had like a, almost like a fountain type lip. 
so that they could drink the actual tea with their prosthetics on. Really? Yes. Yeah. Because I noticed that they they were like holding it double handed and like trying to like yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and then That's they like the, they overdubbed the scene with like drinking effects. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> You have to. Yeah. That's true. As you do. But it was a cool little solution to get them around. Like, oh, yeah. They're not able to drink the prosthetics and they don't have straws. So, you know. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you, if you, did you guys notice this? When Pete and Alan are stealing the horses, right? And they get caught for the second time. The ape that's next to the handler or the prefect looks nothing like. Roddy's Galen. It is a completely different prosthetic. It's yeah. a completely different ape. And then they cut back again and it's Galen again. Right. So uh-huh. what I was reading was that throughout the series, they even on Roddy's makeup would skimp out because they would spend more uh-huh. money on the guest actors makeup. Got it. Because more of that would be focused on them. So either it was Roddy or it was an extra, but they there are shots where Roddy looks really bad in further episodes so so yeah essentially they 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 get caught again and then they're placed into a gladiator game that the prefect holds in order to keep humans in check where buff fred flintstone is the the warrior (laughs) king and his son barney rubble doesn't want to take part in it and is always coming up with excuses can i bring something else up about the son yeah go for it the the son's name was dalton that actor not only was he beastmaster Mm mm-hmm he was also Dr. Langstrom slash the man bat from Batman, the animated series. Another one. Yep. Another Batman, the animated series actor making his way into the Planet of the Apes universe. I really wanted to know if Mark Singer had the same armbands uh, here as he did in Beastmaster. Did he just keep them on the whole time? He just keeps them forever. Can, can we talk real quick about Buff Fred Flintstone and the or Conan's dad, however you want to refer to him? When the Gladiator games start, he has just the cutest little jumper on. <laughs> what is that outfit? We talk about the fur coat, darling. <laughs> I mean, the fur coat is wonderful. The coat in the two hundred degree weather. He's got like shorts that are also suspenders. I'm so confused at this point in the episode <laughs> of what the fashion of humans are in this world. <laughs> well, James, for just for, for you, uh, you know, why Andrew and I are like, oh man, Batman, the animated series, people are like everywhere as, as Roddy McDowell is also the Mad Hatter in the animated series. And in, was it battle? Yeah. in battle battle. Yep. Uh, the other, I forgot what his name is in it. The, which, what, uh, Virgil, there's another ape named Virgil who plays the penguin in Batman, the animated series. And now you've oh. got man bat. You've got man bat from Batman. the Animated. It's just like, I feel like there was like this connection between Roddy where he was like, Oh man, you know, these actors right. don't sleep on these guys. And he talked to Andrea Romano and was like, let's bring in these guys to voice uh, some of the characters in Batman, the animated series. And then they all end up getting back together. Maybe that's just my, the story I'm putting together in my head. So 74 to 92. And Roddy also has a lot of Batman connections, but also Roddy has a lot of connections to literally all of Hollywood history. Also so true. <laughs> why? Because he's a treasure. Yes. He's a goddamn he's treasure. So amazing. So, yeah. So essentially there, there's this whole gladiators subplot and gallons trying to steal the, the, um, the disc back from the prefect and 
I don't know. The prefect literally, like, literally, like completely turns around by the end of the episode. Oh, 100%. He turns right around, doesn't want humans to, to kill each other anymore. He's like, yeah, maybe this is the wrong way to go. And honestly, he said if Galen just asked him for it and told him the real reason, he would have just done it. Now, How I'm not is sure Galen supposed to know that? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure if that was just the prefect kind of trying to manipulate the situation. But at that point, it's like, oh. Well, shit, <laughs> we could have stopped this whole thing where Pete, you know, didn't have to refuse to to kill anybody. But, it, you know, it does teach them a lesson. This was the anti-killing episode, which happens many series. Like right? I said, <laughs> like a lot of sci-fi series and cartoons and comic books and stuff like that. They all have a gladiator episode. You know, if you look at the climate of what was in that time, you had mm -hmm. you had Vietnam at the time. I mean, which they, they do kind of slightly kind of touch upon throughout uh, the, the later films as well, you know, with peaceful endeavors and stuff and such like that. But yeah, no, you're right. That, that is at a much higher height at this point, especially dealing with like veterans and, and such as that. It, it's all very heavy handed. And um, by the end of the episode, essentially Barney Rubble or whatever uh, decides that he's going to run off and, and go teach other people that killing isn't right yeah and that's it like that's they just like let him go and they're like oh well but yeah that's <laughs> like, oh, yeah sure good, good later good for him good for <laughs> so the way the way that uh dalton delivers his line of killing should stop people should know killing should stop <laughs> like that's the exact way he he delivered it. I was like, all right, well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, <laughs> Joe. All right. So uh, at the end of this, you know, we watched the animated series last last time. At the end of that, I was gung ho to continue watching the animated series. This one, I'm a little, little hesitant about continuing on. I, I definitely do want to see more of it. I do think it's going to be very formulaic, but I do think Roddy will steal the show every episode. Oh, yeah. So I'm down for that. What are your thoughts on this? Are, are, do you want to continue with this? I I was on board um, at the onset of the first episode anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually I was more gung ho about finishing this than I was about the animated one, um, especially because I did research to the later episodes just i just want to throw some things out there so we we talked about how beastmaster is in it right right he, he made the appearance and the dad of of conan's in it bobby porter came back at the beginning of that one jackie earl healy shows up later who's rorschach from Watchmen. yeah he was a child james actor Doughton, yep. yeah james Doughton from animal house Okay. Also shows up later <laughs> in the in this show, so it's like, oh, so they actually get some pretty fun cameo people in there. Uh, that would be interesting to see. So I, I'm definitely down to to keep going. Wasn't Jackie Earl Hurl, uh, Haley? Wasn't he in the original Bad News Bears? Right? Or am I totally no, mistaken on that? Okay, James, what are your thoughts on this? Would you continue watching this series? Oh, I would see. I know that it's only what it's only. 14, 14 episodes. The short answer, yes. You know, I know that I had seen some of it originally when it came out. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know how much, I, like I remember it, but I, I don't know if I saw the entire right. entire run. Or, so yeah, I would totally be into watching. Yeah, see, I, I remember seeing bits and pieces of the series as a kid. The sci-fi channel would rerun them in the in the 90s. So I, I do remember seeing episodes like here and there and just kind of, 
as a kid being bored by it. But that said, like I would find the original films fascinating. There was just something I maybe I could tell the budget even then that there was just something quite off about this that doesn't quite capture the flair of the films. But I, I, I guess I, w- I would be down to, to continue watching. There was two quick things I wanted to bring up. One was that apparently like they, they recut these later on uh, as five straight to television uh, movies. They recut them and then they brought in Roddy McDowell again two years after the series had ended to play an older version of Galen to uh, introduce every movie. <laughs> which I just think is hilarious. Yeah, I need to see that. Yeah, I just want to see the intros. The second thing I noticed, and it kind of bothered me, and it kind of goes back to uh, Kim Hunter not saying yes to... Actually, there's three things. Kim Hunter not saying yes to uh, coming back was that where are any women in this? the first two episodes? It's literally all men. Mm. There is not one female character in the show. Yeah, that is true. And that's insane to me, considering that Nova and Zira are such huge characters to the mythology that there's not one like female ape or woman in the show whatsoever. Like they're just like, nope, no, sorry. Seven year old boys aren't gonna like that. We gotta we really gotta focus on uh the dudes and uh and gladiator battles. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not even, notice that? That bothered me so much. Yeah, like I I'm like, even, what the I don't hell? Know. I don't know why I didn't think about it for a second. Oh, that totally. Yeah, that that was. I probably assumed that it would happen eventually. Maybe like right, but I mean, like there's there's no ongoing character that that that's a woman in in the series. It's just all dudes. It's just a bunch of dudes, a bunch of dudes and apes. <laughs> <laughs> the third thing I wanted to bring up was that there were two unused scripts for the series being the pilot and the second episode were never filmed that were written by rod serling so they did bring rod serling back to write a television series apparently you can find these scripts online i'd be fascinated to read those and see what the show was actually supposed to be about apparently it's like almost the exact same premise you know two astronauts landing trying to get home or whatever but it's got to have that serling flair I'm, I'm curious as to why they would pass on it in 1974 interesting stuff joe you got anything else left to say on on uh on the live action series no you know little little details i tend to notice little you know little details like the makeup and aesthetics and it's always looked like either those obviously those costumes were really really hot but it always looked like the glue was still drying on their on their mutton chop yes yeah you know things like that yeah like i said before like you know with the book you know, they could have centered stuff around the book if they still had the book. Just little plot devices that I think that, you know, they could have used or just speculative stuff could have been, I guess. The one thing that, that stands out for me, though, is I and I didn't and and admittedly didn't uh, find it was what other series were going on at the same time of this. This was going on. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with 70s television as I am with 60s, surprisingly. Not 100% sure. Little House on the Prairie. You know, that was a staple in our house. My sister was, you know, my sister's younger than me. And so it was like, that was the one show she wa- She and my grandmother would want to watch. So I probably missed this Little House on the Prairie. Shazam, apparently, was, was a thing in 1974. Oh, yeah. Uh, Partridge Family and the $6 million Man. There okay. you go. That was the, so the yeah. six million dollar man was kind of the show that brought forth the whole running away, you know, like once a week kind of thing of just 
it essentially brought forth the the whole incredible hulk kind of vibe to television i think well before that you had the you actually had the fugitive fugitive uh, yep that's correct and not mm. really the fugitive and uh have gun will travel so now i'm a little curious like i typed in 1974 sci-fi i just wanted to see what was going on around that time um looks like we had space 1999 okay yep which was 1975 though doom watch never even heard of that i don't know that one the guardians looks like it was that's a more like a foreign show moon base three that looks like a movie though star trek the animated series was was going on okay around that time well land of the lost was 74 right uh was it i'm pretty sure and you had far out space nuts <laughs> excuse me uh, <laughs> no lands of the lost is 74 started in 74 yeah i don't know what far out space nuts is but i need to watch that kids shows were all announced on like the friday night before that first saturday they came out mm. and they were like an event kind of thing that's cool but, uh yeah it was pretty wild you know you had stuff like land of the lost you know and uh yeah Sigmund and the Sea Monsters and anything from Sid and Marty Croft. And- That's awesome. Well, James, uh, we want to thank you so much for being on this podcast uh, today. Is there anywhere like online where people can follow you or anything that you would like to plug or uh, let people know about? You can follow my uh, company at Dreamforge Labs on Instagram. Dreamforge Labs. That's it. This was super fun. We learned so much about your history with fear. <laughs> Hootie and the Blowfish. I'm just um, trying to make myself vulnerable. That's all. <laughs> so yeah thank thank you so much this was a lot of fun you can edit all that out <laughs> uh, so james here's something you're gonna learn <laughs> now that you told him to edit something out he will not remove it yeah anything you tell him <laughs> not anything you tell him to edit out he will keep yeah i will <laughs> you could say some of the most batshit fucking insane things in the world and he will keep it mm-hmm well, those things are those things are good to keep. Like you, you know. Oh, totally. Yeah. I always think those those make for some of the the best moments. It's just like that. Roger Roger Moore went on the Tonight Show probably in 1974, mm-hmm. and and he and he had a thing of like he had all of these interesting little stories. I guess he didn't he didn't have a lot that night, and he said, "Oh, well, do you know where pumpernickel comes from?" And he asked Johnny Carson. He was like, "No, where does it come from?" He goes, "Well, when Napoleon ate." Uh, invaded Germany, he really liked German dark bread. And all of his, you know, all of his generals and everything, they hated the fact that he wasn't eating French made bread. And uh, so they would go out and uh, they would get him the dark bread, but they would say, you know, we want the bread. We want bread, which is in French is pan. Okay. Mm-hmm. We want bread for his horse and his horse's name was nickel. So pumpernickel came for, Pam poor nickel, bread for the horse. Oh, thank you, Roger Moore. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, hey, Roger Moore. That's wow. pretty sweet, huh? All right. Well, that's staying in. Well, that's <laughs> that's totally staying. And the reason why you drive on the opposite side of the road in in two places in Europe, in Sweden, and in Great Britain is because of Napoleon and the Pope. So the Pope had decreed that you should go to your destination on one side of the road and return on the other. So it was the Pope's. And and that was, the Pope had decreed, you will go to your destination on the left side of the road and you will return, you know. 
and return on the letter. The, the Napoleon didn't like the Pope. So he said, screw you, Pope. I'm telling everybody to drive on the other side of the road. And he did. And throughout, you know, Napoleon's realm, they drove on the other side of the road, but he never conquered England and he never conquered Sweden. Hmm. There you go. Thank you, Roger Moore. But he did conquer the Waterloo Park slide. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hit stop. (laughs) That was an episode. Yeah, man. It it was uh, meaty. Yeah, definitely. meaty. I didn't think that we were going to talk that long, but honestly, like only like 20 of those minutes were about Planet of the Apes. And that's fine. No, that's not true. Don't even. I know. (laughs) You're going to be the one cutting this thing. Yeah. And yeah, (laughs) but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really nice having James on uh, and giving us uh, his backstory with Planet of the Apes and his opinion on and his fears. Yeah. And his fears. So with that, as always, we want to give a huge shout out to Louis Aronowitz for providing us with our stellar theme song. Uh, again, you can always book Louis at his website, louisaronowitz.com. You can also follow us on online. Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Major Plot Flaw. So, you know, if you want to see a lot of cat photos and Legos, that's that's a good source. Nice. And <laughs> you can follow me at voices by joe on instagram and at azari joe on twitter and also don't forget uh, james does have his own business dreamforge labs you can find that on instagram as well very cool business yeah so again really big big thank you to james again with that guys we are going to sign out how oh, wait a minute you can also follow us oh shit together hold as up, one wait up you're forgetting something here hold up wait a minute Online? Yeah, we're online. Oh my you can follow God. us at Pod Planet of Apes, both on Instagram and Twitter. That's incredible. Isn't it? This is the first time hearing of it. I know. I know. Wow. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for letting us all know that we are also online. Right. At Pod Planet of Apes. <laughs> on twitter and instagram i am so tired with that (laughs) we are gonna take it out with our classic catchphrase as usual take it joe Uh, like a hangover without the pleasure of the booze was that a line from the show oh yeah it was what kind of a planet is this i i have one i have one Uh, you have one yeah finally uh, i have our classic catchphrase why, Zaius? Why should truth be against the law? Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. What is a computer? <laughs> <laughs>